0: (laughs) hi uh welcome to movie butts i'm arnie joan this is dane hi so uh i'm gonna continue my uh my new little tradition of trying to keep this a little different and fresh i've got some exciting ways that uh i'm gonna introduce the show from now on keep 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 tuned for that but um Right now, I need you to do me a favor, Dane. Yeah. Can you explain to me what slam poetry is? Um, slam poetry is basically you just say anything,
1: but you say it like, like you go, like here. Let me read um one of my my notes for for the movies we're about to watch. Dan Aykroyd is not funny.
0: That's slam poetry. Okay, so I'm going to do a slam poetry explanation of what this is. Oh, nice. Do you, uh, do you have faith in me here? I don't know what slam poetry is. I just thought it sounded funny. So, uh, okay. Butts. Movie butts. Mathematics. Film Mathematics. Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic, IMDB, all the math, all the movies, aggregates, audience response, box office budget, you know it, best, worst, movie butts, what do you think? I've got my fist in the air. You got your fist in the air? Do you mm. do you think that do you think that clearly explains that we use math to determine the best and worst of the topics we're watching? Do you think that yeah. was clear? Yeah, I think awesome. That's, I think I might I have a career crystal. at slam poetry. Do you think I should? No put one a, makes put money a, from a,
1: slam poetry.
0: So you know what? I will make money from slam poetry.
1: Be the first one. I'll
0: do it. I'll do it. I'll I'll make money off slam poetry. Um, I think I might have to put like a bit of a bit of a beat. You know, like a click beat underneath that. Do you think that might give it a bit more of a vibe as well?
1: Yeah, maybe some stilted bongos.
0: Yeah, stilted bongos. I think I think that's what we're what 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 we're aiming for. Um so yeah, uh what do you what, what do you think, Dan? What, what what movies did we watch and what was our topic?
1: Okay, so this week our topic was John Hughes, right? Was it John Hughes yeah. or John Candy?
0: Jesus Christ. <laughs> what? <laughs> You just, oh, I love you. (laughs) We're watching the best and worst of John Hughes in the eighties.
1: John Hughes in the, okay. Best and worst of John Hughes in the eighties. And so, um, we watched, um, Plane Strains and Automobiles. I was going to say Midnight in Paris for some reason. Um, Plane Strains and Automobiles, the classic with Steve Martin and John Candy. And the worst you had to, um, uh, decide whether to include the written works of John Hughes in this. Yeah. And so, we ended up watching um, The Great Outdoors, starring John Candy again with uh, Dan Aykroyd as the worst pick.
0: So, uh, but yeah, so originally it was the directing efforts of John Hughes, but- Part of me... Well, th- there's two reasons. One of the reasons is the movie She's Having a Fucking Baby, um, <laughs> which which we both decided sounded like the least <laughs> interesting film. Like, like okay, I-, I can't stress how bad I think that title is and like how She's asleep a baby. I feel. Yeah, I- I'm falling asleep at the thought of a movie called that. Like, it just sounds so uninteresting to me. That I'm going to that that we we very much judged a book by its cover, mm. and um, and decided not to watch it.
1: Well, so, I read the synopsis because I thought maybe the film is actually interesting. Yeah, um, but the synopsis was something like um, a man
0: that, uh, struggles after having a family. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, no. So, oh god, I'm asleep thinking about it. So that was one of the reasons and then the second reason was that i believe that limiting john hughes to his directorial efforts is kind of like doing him a bit of a disservice because he was known as a writer mostly so like he did get into directing and he did direct some quite you know, profound, not profound movies, but quite iconic movies of the eighties, like the breakfast club, um, fucking 16 candles, Ferris Bueller's day off. Like he, he did direct a bunch of films that are, that every motherfucker and their dog knows. However, as well. Yeah. He wrote, he wrote everything that he directed. He wrote really, we watched Um,
1: planes, trains and automobiles instead of the breakfast
0: club yeah it's uh, uh, well, off? so so what, what so what happens with uh the main thing that brings down uh trains planes and automobiles is it's box office and budget so those were lower than some of his more teen orientated movies however critically trains planes and automobiles is regarded as the movie where um john hughes came into maturity in that sense. It's like his first film that critics really jumped on because it broke out of that teen comedy mould that he had built himself. So critically, Planes, Trains and Automobiles is a more respected movie. Um, yeah, but but when we opened it up to writing efforts, we, we also had to deal with a bunch of other shit. Um, bad stuff. Um, because, and, and, and do you know, what's like I was looking at it, like a lot of his written stuff or things that are like his lesser works. I've, I've come to the decision that they're like somehow like first drafts of things that he's done elsewhere anyway. Like, it's really weird that like, like we'll get into it with the great outdoors, his worst one, which was brought down by a dismal metacritic score that it just feels like other things that he's already done. Um, but, before we get too much into the films, um, you know, I, I just want to address that this is. The Great Outdoors is somehow still not the worst movie we've seen with Dan Aykroyd and John Candy in it together. Is the worst one, um. Nothing But Trouble? Nothing But Trouble, that's it. The. I forgot that was John Candy.
1: I thought that was, um. The other fat
0: SNL guy. Whoa. What, John Belushi? No. um, Chris Farley. Ugh. That's that's like an insult to John Candy to compare him to hey, Chris no, Farley. Hey, well, you know what? Like, he doesn't do anything in that movie. Uh, no. Well, he's kind of fucking gross in that film. Both of them are. Um. So, yeah. Do you mind giving a plot description of both planes, trains, and automobiles and... The great outdoors. Yeah, so plane Trains,
1: and automobiles
0: is like, you have
1: like the 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 sort of like stodgy straight man in Steve Martin, and he's he works for a big company, doing media agency thing. Yeah, 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 and uh, he's got to get back to his family uh, by Christmas. No, by New. Year- Jesus by Christ! Turkey. By the um the other one, Thanksgiving. Um, yeah. And, like, he's got to catch a plane, but then his boss, like, holds them back, and then he's going to miss his plane. Anyway, and then he bumps into Chris Farley, who's, like, a big, Chris fat, ugly, annoying guy. No, the other cunt. Um, the guy. John Candy. John Candy. My God. Anyway, so then he gets stuck on the plane with John Candy, and he
0: can't get away from this guy. That's basically you're gonna make it sound movie. like we don't. You you're gonna, you make it sound like we don't get paid to do this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so John yeah. Candy is stuck with Steve Martin, and uh, he's a series of mishaps, and he's got to keep trying to get home. I don't know. It's fucking stupid. Anyway, the other one is about John Candy and Dan Aykroyd are stuck living in a cabin together. Um, And that one's also stupid.
0: How was that? So, I guess I should give a better description of The Great Outdoors for anyone that cares. Um, Great Outdoors is like a family... How is that wrong?
1: That's exactly you said they're what...
0: living in a cabin together. Like you, you, you fail to mention that like a family goes on a vacation and then his annoying brother-in-law turns up unexpectedly and ruins the trip. That's a basic description. You made it sound like the odd couple. They're stuck living together and in hilarity ensues. In That's not what the film is. You're, you're literally like missing just key ingredients that are fucking important to just even just the basic premise. Pit Elevate a pitch of the film.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The elevator pitch. That's what they would have done with the...
0: Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't really, um... It sucked. I didn't know <laughs> that he was his brother-in-law until you what, just said he it. What, did you think he was just... What? So, you thought that these, like, random people just turned up at their holiday and they just didn't question yeah, it he... at all? Well, no, he just shows up and then he refers to him by name
1: and then he's like, oh, so what are you doing? He's like, oh, I thought we'd stay with you.
0: And he's like, oh, great. And I'm like, oh, okay. I guess he knows that guy. Okay. So, uh, yeah. what did you think of, uh, Planes, Trains and Automobiles and, uh, The Great Outdoors? Um, okay. So, Great Outdoors
1: is excruciating to watch. It's it's only eighty eight minutes, and I actually it um, felt
0: like so long.
1: <laughs> yeah, I messaged you just before I sat down to watch it, and I was like, "Yo, eighty eight minutes, automatic eight farts, sick." Oh my god, it went on for fucking ever. It's just like a series of uh, kind of sketches, although it's really hard to pinpoint where I the would joke call them cliches. Or what yeah, what it's supposed to be. Um, but there's real, no, there's, there's really no like, um, cause and effect carrying throughout the film.
0: Like the, the plot is essentially non-existent. It's just, it's rushed in the last 10 minutes. The plot, like the plot only becomes something in the last 10 minutes. There's no real insinuation as to why he's there or Mm. the consequences of anything. It just, it all just happens. It all just comes to a head. But I'd yeah, rather really well, yeah is... let's just talk about well, what, what do you think of planes, trains and automobiles first Oh um well, look, it should be known
1: uh like I want to let everyone know that I'm not into comedies. I don't think there's a single one I like uh so I didn't like this
0: really I can
1: yeah because I love uh, this film yeah i didn't I don't like the
0: silly shit. Um, like what's the silly shit to you? Like what 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 defines silly shit?
1: Um, silly
0: faces.
1: Like they pull silly faces. I don't like in comedies how they they exaggerate their acting. Like they overact on purpose. Then they don't do it an awful lot in this film. So there's a bunch of stuff that I do like because it takes itself seriously for a lot of it. I'd say probably like sixty five percent of the film. It it takes itself seriously and it presents it presents the plot um, in a sincere and heartful manner. And then there's yep. like the other part of it, which is just like jokes. And just like dumb humor. Like and like I like I I have a particular disdain for um cartoon physics in in um live action films. Like the when they're when they get when they're driving And they almost get hit by the trucks and, um, they get so tense that John Candy like bends the steering wheel and Steve Martin's fingers get stuck in the wood. Like that cartoon shit,
0: that, that, that fucking drives me nuts. Did you, did you at least laugh when John Candy turned into the devil?
1: No. You didn't laugh at that? Okay. No, I, I got annoyed i was like
0: what stupid (laughs) okay well for someone who writes comedies with me (laughs) it's so bizarre that we just have such different (laughs) tastes in humor because like a lot of what i find funny can be routed back to this film Mm. like a lot of my a lot of my sense of humor i'm really interested to know
1: what you think so can you tell me like some of your personal highlights of the,
0: the movie. Um well, okay, so to be perfectly honest, I love I love the gags. I'm laughing at a lot of the jokes. However, I, I like the the I I think the chemistry between the two is really good. And I think yes, it's agreed. it's good to see John Candy play like a dumb shit but with like a lot of pathos and there's like a lot of uh genuine genuine emotions there like it's not just a two like neither of them are two-dimensional um i i really love that you're constantly questioning who's like like who do you relate to or like who's in the wrong like i don't know if you did that but it's like the the ambiguity of like is he just a stick in the mud or is he insufferable? Like, I do like that, that play through the film because it isn't mm. just, it isn't just John Candy's character is just obnoxious and annoying. Like, he's genuinely a heartfelt, caring person. Mm. And, you know, like, that, that, that there's a couple of, mo- that there's like one thing that the character does that I find b- almost inexcusable in terms of being a bad person. And that's when he uses his credit card. That's the that's like the one moment where I'm like that's a line cross. Um yeah. well th- there are a lot of line crosses but that's like the one that's kind of would push me into like siding with Steve Martin's character, but also like I think Steve Martin is also insufferably arrogant and rude as well. Yeah. Like I think for someone who was and I don't know and and like it's that dynamic and how that plays into the comedy that i quite like that i like a lot and it's Mm. not just like i know you said that there's the cartoon physics and all those elements but i don't know like for me the most of the genuine humor and all the good memorable moments come from just that dynamic
1: yeah i agree so that's what i I that's what i love about the film i really liked all that stuff and in fact. I'd say probably the first 15 minutes of the movie, I was fully on board. I thought it was great and borderline flawless. I really was laughing a lot where they're sitting on the plane together. And, um, John Candy is being, um, obnoxious. Um, but in, in, in not so subtle ways, but not in like deliberately over the top, like Mr. Beanish ways. It's like... It's, it's like, they really use his size to great effect without, without making arrogant fat jokes or without making it too, too clear. Um, It's just things like, uh, like, I love the bit where he, um, after just not shutting up, like he, he, he'll just, he'll just say one thing and Steve Martin just like kind of politely nods and he's like, Oh, boy, I tell you what, I I really get scared on flights. He's like, "Mm mm-hmm, okay, yeah, great. And then he reaches down and takes his shoe off, and he's just like, oh! (laughs) And you just see (laughs) Steve Martin get annoyed, and he's like, oh, boy, I tell you what, my feet are really hurting. And then he takes his sock off, and he's like, oh! (laughs) It's like... (laughs) You can just... You can understand why he's getting so annoyed by that but in the same way how like he's not john candy's really not doing anything wrong he's just been he's just being very open and comfortable um and a lot of the and and the comedy is like equally balanced i found with um not just being john candy being like a big funny looking man who's annoying but it's all it it's all paid compliment by steve martin's fantastic reactions to it because uh especially in the the first the first act he doesn't go he's a fantastic straight man yeah he's a great straight man and he plays it so well in the beginning um because his reactions are subtle um and and believable for me it's just that later on in the film he's his expressions go from being subtle and realistic to like, you know, he's, he's really putting his shoulders into it. Like he's, he's like, he like visibly drops and furrows his brow and frowns in like a, a way that just really felt like overacting and that type of, um, comedy overacting that I, that I really can't stand and is present in so many eighties comedies that I, that I hate. And so I was really disappointed
0: to see it turn into that eventually. That's interesting, because I I didn't have any... I wasn't really annoyed by any of that, because, like, you look at the situation and the environment they're in, and when all this stuff starts happening, like, all the really ludicrous stuff, that's when the physicality really changes. Like, when the the movie does ramp up in the level of absurdity. So, I don't know, like, I kind of find that those sort of performances... Like it, it didn't jar with the content for me. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, you know, like we're not—you can't have like a subtle, middle brow stoic performance when you're driving. You know, like when the car's on fire and you're screaming at someone for your wallet. Like, it just doesn't. Like, like it makes sense to me. Like, it doesn't seem yeah. out of the realm of possibility. So I don't know. Like, I don't have any issues with that at all.
1: Well, that's um. That's another issue I had is that, um, what I, what I really liked at the beginning was that, um, and by the way, I watched The Great Outdoors first, so, um, this was, this was like a real palate cleanser for me, um, is that, um, at the beginning, it felt like I was watching a real man exist in the real world, and then yeah. why I found John Candy's character so entertaining is Is because he was kind of like a a cartoonish character an absurd man introduced to a real man who existed in reality but then slowly reality was transformed into absurdity and, and it became wholly unreal and then Steve Martin's performance even came to reflect that which is fine and I'm not saying that that makes it objectively bad it's just For me personally, I'm not into that type of shit. Like I like my comedies to be, to be, to, to like deliberately try to stay as grounded as possible. Sure. Um, So Um, so then when like, you've got that, like the guy just like grabs Steve Martin by the nuts, like picks him up by his ball sack. And then the next time Steve Martin talks, he's got the helium voice. Yeah. There are some gags like that that I don't
0: find funny at all. Yeah, no. The, the the like there's that and then you know that there's the bit where they they're grabbing each other when he's arguing about the wallet and then they're like shaking each other. The like... first shake I liked, then the second shake I didn't. Yeah, I remember that it's... part?
1: Cuz I was specifically <laughs> like, "Oh, I like the shake because it was it was um it was comedic with but, but still looking realistic." And then he just shakes Yeah, but when him you again. repeat it
0: yeah. It's like Ugh. the repetition there. But, like, I, I I would argue that John Candy's character stays the same. Like, not in a bad way. I don't mean, like, he's an unchanging character. But I think he doesn't ramp up either. Like, I don't think he ramps up. I think he's at a static, consistent level. But on retrospect, now that you're bringing it up, there is a huge dramatic shift in Steve Martin's performance. But... I don't know. It doesn't take me out. Like, again, it is some of those really hack-eyed jokes that are probably the weaker points of the movies. But mm. I don't know. Like, it seems... I don't know. I was... Especially at the end, like, there's a... Did you get the, the sadness from John Candy's character before the ending? Like, did you feel that in his performance? Yeah. yeah. He's and a, I don't know. I he's... find that quite impressive. He's a
1: pathetic guy from the from the beginning um who and i think that that works because it's not just like you're not meant to just like relate to the steve martin character and therefore it's funny because it's like well yeah he's 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 stuck in a room with a big annoying jerk i think at um, the
0: beginning of the movie you're meant to because he isn't particularly in the first yeah 20 minutes of the movie he really isn't in the wrong at all like the 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 only the 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 moment where uh, like he jumps uh and where his character starts to kind of the moral code and the moral ambiguity like the the moral ambiguity begins as soon as he kind of starts screaming at john candy in the in the hotel room would you agree Like up until Um, then, I don't think he really does anything that's considered, um,
1: on a normal level, I probably would agree, but on my personal level, I don't because, okay, um, I actually didn't like Steve Martin's character and, um, when he's, when he's annoyed by him on the plane, because he keeps, because John Candy keeps talking to him um and he just wants to be left alone but he's not saying that um I most don't have people any... can't though yeah exactly but i don't have any tolerance for that i'm i'm perfectly fine to just tell someone to shut up shut the fuck up yeah um but i understand that that's because i'm an antisocial retard so i i fully get that like what he's going for in the film and i can see that it's probably objectively effective but yeah um i actually relate more to the annoying character because when he's like oh you left a wet towel on the floor and you spilt beer on the bed i'm like hey man we all fucking you know make mistakes we've all been there <laughs> like i would be that guy more than i'm the other guy
0: would you put have beer on a bed that has that that's like turned on by a coin to vibrate though <laughs> Uh, yeah. I I don't think you you would. That's, that's neck level oblivious.
1: Yeah, but, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if, if I did that.
0: Sure. But yeah, no, I, I don't know, like, I find this movie has a lot of heart, and every time I watch it, still at the ending, I get a bit choked up. Yeah. You know? Although, and, I don't, um, and I wouldn't call it like emotionally manipulative level. It's just, it's like a, a genuinely, I believe, earned conclusion to the film. Yes.
1: Um, I am inclined to agree. Uh, however, um, here's what I, here's, here's why I, I didn't really care for it. He's the on the train specifically. Yeah. He's on the train. And he's going away from john candy right um and then that's when he like has the realization oh wait this guy has no family um and then i made a joke i was watching it with my wife and uh i was like uh, like yeah he gets up and tells the the driver to turn the train around but then the very next shot the train is pulling back into the station and he gets off and i'm like but it's coming from the same direction that it left i'm like whoa wait a minute that looks like he just turned the train around and so i'm assuming he had to like get off and catch another train but i would have liked to at least (laughs) seen him like get off the train and get on another one even if it's just for like two shots and for, for three seconds worth of extra footage. But I kind of needed that because otherwise it looked weird. And then he goes into the waiting room, John Candy's sitting there. Okay. Believable. But then he doesn't react. He's not like, Oh, what are you doing back here? And then he's like, why aren't you home? And then he tries to like defend him. He's, He's not like, Oh, I'm just, uh, waiting for, uh, uh yeah, yeah, I don't have a home. Instead, he's just, he walks in, John Candy says nothing. He just looks at him and he says, how come you're not at home? And he goes, I don't have a home. My wife is dead. And it's kind of like, well, the audience knows now. So I may as well just tell you straight up so that we can get to the end of the film because we're approaching 90 minutes.
0: So I didn't really have that same feeling interesting it's a it's an interesting perspective and i can totally see that um but no yeah i, I have to disagree like I, I i can understand from a technical standpoint it could have been done a lot better i i disagree with the needing to see him get on another train because that's just like that's superfluous information like you know that that's what he did you don't need yeah, but to see him the, do the, it
1: and the cut looks funny. I mean, I just to me though, you know. I mean,
0: it's I, a I do, I do agree. Classic no, in, film. In but retrospect, to me it just looks funny. In retrospect, I think you may have you you may have hit the nail on the head that maybe John Candy could have tried to talk his way out of it at least for a second. I think that's a that's a good take that I haven't really noticed about. But I guess I was just wrapped up in it, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the, you know, and like you know, what I really felt was that um I felt like that this film was accidentally better than he intended. Because like I thought just like all the fucking like derpy dipshit goofy comedy moments could not have come from the same man who was able to like elicit a real humanity out of this cartoonish character. John Candy. Yeah, and to be able yeah. to like direct a real chemistry between these guys who are pretty much polar opposites and have you and have you really feel for them both equally? I thought I think that that's terrific stuff. But by all the other like stupid shit that's in there and all the all the fucking coincidences written in there just to keep them together. I was like that you must be like accidentally doing something really good because there's there's the only goofy like goofy shit one... is definitely
0: on purpose. His the goofy shit is in all of his movies. Right. Like even th- this is like known as his most mature film and it's still rampant with goofy stuff. Like it's just part of his style. And mm. now what I'm doing here is I'm looking at his filmography and you know like we've got 16 candles national lampoon's vacation the breakfast club the breakfast club i think is isn't the breakfast (sighs) club like just a straight like drama no it's a comedy it's like a teen comedy drama right but it's like a coming-of-age film
1: right but there's no one is like doing cartoony shit in there i've only seen it once
0: yeah, well, the, the, it does. It does like toe the line. Like you know, it gets to the it gets to the bit where um, there no one's around, and then they all just start dancing, and it's like the dance break in the movie, like the montage scene. Like for me, that's jumping that line into the goofy stuff.
1: Maybe, but I mean, you know,
0: it, like the famous it, bit where they're all like doing the sliding foot dance across the bar. You know, like that's from the Breakfast Club.
1: Okay. Um, Ferris
0: Bueller's Day Off, She's Having a Baby, even though I haven't seen it, (laughs) Uncle Buck, Home Alone, Christmas Vacation, Beethoven, Home Alone 2, Baby's Day Out.
1: Fucking Home Alone is more grounded in reality than this film. You think? Yeah, there's no, like, there's no, there's no breaking the laws
0: of physics. Uh, Not not to a a Looney Tunes degree. Are you joking?
1: Not to a Looney Tunes degree.
0: Like for me, no one is bending uh,
1: steering wheels.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, if I remember correctly, reading somewhere that <clears throat> the, the the traps that uh, that fucking what's his name, Macaulay Culkin's character set. What's the character's name? I should fucking remember that. Kevin, yeah. Kevin, Kevin. Right? Is it Kevin? Yeah. Yeah, it's Kevin. Um, would kill like Marv would be dead. Yeah. so you know like it is it is it is kind of towing that line it's not
1: obviously breaking that rule for comedic effect what did you watch that on mythbusters
0: no i I remember i think i just read like a fucking oh god mythbusters doing
1: the home alone traps
0: no i didn't watch like you know those like stupid fucking websites like junkie and shit yeah. Like, yeah, I think I read like an article from one of oh, those stupid. He would things, actually that...
1: have third degree burns on his head and would Yeah. Like some of the stuff
0: shock some of that stuff, you know. So like I I think I think, you know, you might be giving it a bit of a too much of a pass. I remember no, specifically I mean, just... one I think one mm. of the ones in two where he like has the barrels and like hits him in the chest, like mm. would have destroyed his rib cage and he would have died. Hmm like that's 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 pushing it a little bit you know
1: it's but i don't know like, like I, I would i would just... argue
0: that there's no real um level of i, I don't know that, that, that there's not a not enough strong character character moments or interaction in home alone as there is in planes, trains and automobiles like it takes it's still a bit kid kid movie home alone yeah, it's in it's like that a, regard. it is a-
1: yeah, it's a kids movie,
0: but yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good
1: just one. Th- it, it's just things like, um, like when they they're, they're sitting on the back of the Ute, right? They they hitch a ride on the back of a Ute, um, and it's it's snowing, and then they, yeah. they pull into the the bus station, and um, when they pull into the bus station, it cuts to their faces, and their faces are frozen. And they're, like, doing, you know, comedy shivering. And so I was like, oh, and now he's sick. So, like, for the rest of the movie, he's going to have, like, the flu. And that's going to be an extra thing that he has to deal with. But then there's the next thing they're sitting in the bus station and they're fine. Oh, it's just a gag. Yeah, it was literally just a gag. I fucking hate gags, man. Like... That shit is for children. Put that shit in Home Alone. Don't put it in this movie that genuinely I think deserves better. Which is what makes me think that any heart that exists in this film, any maturity that exists, was a fucking accident and John Hughes had nothing to do with it.
0: Wow. That's a hot take. I don't know. (laughs) it's It's like kind of... Like... You might might be able to compare John Hughes to like a virtuous pedophile, like someone who's aware of the fact that this is what they do, and sometimes he couldn't help himself. Maybe that's a hot take. <laughs> <The> virtuous <laughs> pedophile. <laughs> I feel like I might need to cut that. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good analogy. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not calling john hughes a pedophile i just need to go on the record and say that i love john hughes and a big part of my childhood was his films even though i'm technically of the next generation um not the one that grew up watching them i just watched them on video go on a blockbuster and video easy but i I was just there a virtual can can we think of something can you think of a different analogy then other than a virtuous pedophile just to save my ass no
1: i mean like i you know i think he I think he likes he obviously likes this stuff. He obviously thinks it's He obviously thinks it's good to just have like what's another word? I keep using goofy, but just like just Broad fucking, Yeah, just like extremely broad comedy thrown in there. And it is so weird to me that like people are, are cool with with that stuff, but but then they like make fun of stupid Adam Sandler movies. Like, they say that shit is trash, but John Hughes is a fucking genius or whatever. And I'm like, these
0: things are very similar. Like that's, an, just, that's an interesting take.
1: It's just cartoony nonsense.
0: Like, my, my issue with, like, Adam Sandler comedies is how bored he looks in them now. <laughs> and how forced they look. Like, I, I, I'm I not the kind of person that, that shits on the ni- 90 Sandler... There's a there's a place for that in film history, mm. you know, and, and and it has a and it has a home, mm. like the same as same as John Hughes movies for me. I was watching the the 90s Sandler movies around the same time and enjoying them. It's like a, a, but there is a, a shark jumping moment, and for for John Hughes, it happened for him in the 90s. Like he he famously was huge in the 80s and then like fell off the face of the planet in the 90s. To the point where there was a documentary that w- that came out, um, called Finding John Hughes or something like. It was like he was still alive, but no one knew where he was because he kind of removed himself from the public eye.
1: Hmm.
0: Like that's, I think, yeah. I- I've just, I've just got it up here. The documentary is called Don't You Forget About Me, and it's about these film, like these filmmakers that are trying to chase him down because of how he affected their childhood. Like, so you know, like. He did you know, like this did catch up with him because his movies did continue to be very similar and even like he wrote Flubber for fuck's sake. <laughs> and Home Alone Three and Beethoven three. Like he kept doing the same thing. And you know, that there's the um there's the, the law of diminishing returns. Hmm. You know, and, and you could argue, like, and I'll argue that planes, trains, and automobiles is probably the peak of it. Because, you know, like, he did end up doing something a little different. It's not no longer about just teenagers. And so it's, like, dealing with more mature themes, like grief and death and all this stuff. And, but you've also still got that goofy shit that he's known for. Like, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is goofy as well. And I also don't like that, by the way.
1: I don't... I right. Don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like The Breakfast Club. I don't think I... I didn't... I wasn't aware of how much of John Hughes' stuff I'd seen. I've seen um, a handful of his movies. And actually, like, not only do I not like them, I fucking actively despise them. Playing Strains and Automobiles is the best one, and I still don't like it.
0: That's I interesting.
1: Like, I don't like the... I don't like the tone... I mean, those other films. Do you mean like, that?
0: Do you mean like the inconsistent tone? They in are Plains, they, and automobiles. Uh, they or in general, in, his movies. They are inconsistent.
1: Um, what I really, what I really dislike, is the the pacing, because the reason that I just flatly say that I do not like comedies, is because usually a film that is attempting to be a comedy first and foremost puts um plot to the side and like will tell a story but it will like like break um break elements of character and and put the plot on hold in order to tell a joke and i for me that just like i i I find that that stalls the experience And, uh, like when you sort of like have these character breaking moments, no matter how funny your joke is, that is not why I watch movies. And that's not why I think movies are good. That shit is reserved for like television shows and sketches. But for me, a movie is just too fucking long in order to like, just be continuously trying to make me laugh and have that be the goal. And... As meaningful as this film can be, I still felt like his goal, first and foremost, was to just fit jokes in. Light entertainment. Yeah. And it's like right. this- this, These characters in this scenario deserves better than that. These actors and their chemistry deserve better than that. But he clearly did not have the fucking awareness to to just chill the fuck out.
0: With so he fucking, isn't a virtuous pedophile, then. With
1: the fucking cartoon skeleton <laughs> moment bullshit, stop! Do not fucking like. Don't commission a a a fucking artist to design a, a steering wheel that can bend in half. That's so not do, funny. Do, do you
0: think that? Do you think that they're like? Okay, so I'll. One of my other favorite jokes in this film is, like. The skeletons I didn't find funny, but I really found the, there were two, there are there a couple of perspective visual gags that I respect and I like, and I kind of keep in my repertoire and, you know, I can give examples that we've done or that I've done and we've talked about in our work, um, that is kind of drawn from a similar point of view, but you know like the bit where he's sitting in the airport and he looks over and you see John Candy behind the car door and he like and he like gets scared. Mm. Like that's one of my favorite gags. And I don't think that's breaking the rules of the film because that's from the character's perspective. Like that's no, not yeah. that's, that's not, not breaking the rules. And 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 for me the same thing is said about the devil bit like when he looks and he's the devil. Mm. You you've got that understanding that you're seeing it through his eyes but when that kind of breaks into where well, you're seeing the shot from the front and there's skeletons whose perspective is that it's our yeah. perspective so yeah. then that's when it becomes a bit insulting and that's when it jumps the shark yeah yeah as I long as you keep you, that within that. the world of or the eyes of the characters or our perspective character or something or if it's or if it really is a film where that sort of stuff doesn't matter so like for example a movie where I don't think that stuff matters is uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Like that's the style of the film. Like that's very much part of the the overall art style and technique being used. Mm-hmm. So it does like for me when it, when the reality breaking stuff and that happens, it doesn't matter because that's that's kind of established in the rules very early on. Mm-hmm. Whereas like yeah, this film is trying to be a bit more low key and heartfelt. So when the things do jump the shark, yeah, no, I do agree that there are, yeah, like I'm thinking about it. Some of those really broad jokes, I remember like giving myself like a little snicker or like nothing.
1: Yeah. I just think it, I just think it, I just think it demeans the, the classiness of the rest of it. Sure. Because it, it, if you, if you took those things out or you allowed the moment to be serious I don't think it, it doesn't make the film boring and it doesn't make the film too, too serious. It's something that is, um, it's something that's worth, uh, that's something that's worth its maturity, you know? Sure. And I I just, I, I just don't get why there's the silly shit in there. It just, and it fucking ruined the movie for me also i didn't like the uh coincidences
0: like i think oh uh, there's there's one the... that annoys me and that's is it... when he almost gets run over by him that's yeah. like when they've like definitely split up and he's the one then when they come back together that's that's the only bit where i'm like this is cripplingly and like convenient i didn't for the story like to the... progress
1: i didn't like the train breaking down when yeah, they- but that
0: kind of just fits with what's happening. Like that just feels like part of the world. Like I don't mind that at all. It's Actually, it's just that like the car bit where like they're not they're not in the same environment and all of a sudden somehow in all of this mess they've ended up at the same airport at the oh the same car rental at the exact same time, even though so much time has passed. Yeah. Perceivably hours. That, that, that's like, that's dumb for me. But like, yeah, like when the train breaks down, no, that, that happens. Like that, that fits, that, that, that's part of the comedy of errors that the film is presenting. Not, not just convenience. I don't know. Well, the,
1: I can understand you forgiving
0: the train breaking
1: down, but yeah, the one where he like runs back into him at the airport is just ridiculous. And I thought that was lazy writing and other things like, so like the Flintstones joke on the. the bus, when um, i like that joke i think it's a funny joke three
0: coins in a fountain each one wishing happiness
1: i think it's a (laughs) i think it's a funny joke i just didn't believe that that character would start singing i feel like he would based on everything he's done previously when he says sing a song he'd be like no but he just he just does. He just starts singing. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's weird that this guy would do that.
0: Well, Didn't like, uh, like that I, I guess it's... No, no, like, I think it's, like, trying... Like, again, like, I'm we're, we're only throwing out personal perspective and point of view on things here. But I think it's, like, he's not a complete and utter stick in the mud. It's just, like, this guy and this situation is really winding him up. You know what mm. I mean?
1: Yeah, no, so I can understand, like, if he's in the car with his family he'd be the guy who sings a song. Yeah. Or with other people that he's comfortable with, he would. But he's in a situation that he fucking hates next to a guy he fucking hates on a bunch, with a bunch of people who he has no respect for. And he just... Like, I thought he'd just, like, try to get some sleep. But instead, he's like, you sing a song next. He's like, oh, okay. And then starts singing that song. And everyone's <laughs> like, what? And then john candy starts singing the flintstones and everyone sings along that's a funny joke but i feel like john hughes knew that was a funny joke so broke the character in order to fit that funny joke in there sure and for me character comes first before you joke
0: that's that's very true um so we've we've spent about almost an hour talking about planes, trains, and automobiles. I think this is probably a opportune time for us to start talking about the great outdoors. Unless there's something else you'd like to point out and talk about with planes, trains.
1: I just wanted to quickly ask um, your opinion on the. Um, we don't have to spend too long on it, but I was curious about your feelings on the um, the, the 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 homophobia in the. In the film, in the one scene in particular where they have to share a bed. And the joke there is just clearly, you gay. Because I, I thought that was- I didn't
0: get that at all. What? So, my, my perspective was, I put myself in the shoe. Like, I'm gay as fuck. So, like, I'm not saying that that validates my opinion more than yours. But- what I think art- it,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think it should. I think it does. That's why I was fucking because I was okay, like, okay, I then. knew you okay, loved then. this movie, and then within like the first twenty-five minutes, they have to share a bed, and and they're both like, ew, gay, which is like, fine in the context of the characters. No, no, yeah, no, no, no. no, no but, like, I'm not that, saying that's you can't I'm have homophobic characters.
0: No, they're not. No, like, but what's homophobic about it? The joke is it? clearly just. Right, audience? You gay? Mm, like, okay, maybe a little bit. But what I, what, what my, the saving grace for me was that I was able to take a step back and think about all the people that I've met that how absolutely unappealing and uninterested I would be in sharing a bed with them, mm. platonically. Yes. Like, So I love you, Dane. Heaps. But I feel like even me and you would have a hard time sharing a bed together.
1: Yeah, we're both
0: uh, two like big guys
1: with motor problems at work.
0: Totally. So that's kind of the perspective I thought the film was kind of going at. And they were on edge because of it. So like when you know, when then that's thinking and then when it's like, oh, do you want to have a shower? And he's like, no, no. And then like, th- like it kind of gets into the, that's where it's a bit of a gay joke, but it's kind of like that, that that's that's like a subtext or pretext to like this other problem here. It's like, you don't want to share a bed with this person. Hmm. So like, no, I, d- I didn't really have a problem with it. So the reason um, I thought that what they were going for was, who um,
1: gay was because I really felt like John Candy's character should have been totally fine with sharing a bed with him. Um, because he doesn't have a problem with, like, boundaries contact and stuff. boundaries. Sure. So, uh, I, I fucking, like, I, I fucking heard the line in my head when they entered the room that Steve Martin sees the bed and goes, oh, no. And then John Candy goes... Uh, looks like we're bunking together or some shit like that, but
0: instead he looks at the bed as well, and he's like, "Oh no, I uh, like- I I I disagree." Like so, they they walk into the room, and the perspective is a hundred and ten percent Steve Martin's character. So, mm-hmm. and the camera's panning around the room, you know, and you're and, and you're getting the reverse shots on Steve Martin's face, and you're panning around, and then it goes over to john candy through steve martin's eyes who gives a smile but like a not like a i wouldn't automatically say an uncomfortable smile but also not like a completely oblivious smile so i wouldn't say it like automatically shows that john candy's like uncomfortable with it the the only moment where i think it's shown that john candy is at all uncomfortable is when they go to my, one of the jokes where it's like, did you see the game yesterday? Oh yep, Hell of a game. Hell of a game. Like that's the, and how his, he responds to that is the Mm. only part where I feel like John Candy is maybe being shown as being uncomfortable. But also when you wake up in your hands between some random dude's ass cheeks, you might be a little bit uncomfortable, you know, that was a, that was a weird joke as well. That that's borderline homophobic. But that for me, that's more like a, Toxic masculinity joke than a homophobic joke. That
1: one I didn't even care about as much as the bird one. But uh, what I just found uh, weird is like, I don't like, and also I really don't like jokes where it's like people's like physical senses are uh, betrayed. Like Steve Martin's like, where's your hand right now? And he goes between two pillows. And then they both like pause for a second and go, and it's like, wait a minute, Steve Martin didn't feel a big hand up his ass? Like, he had to kind of do the basic math in his head of, like, two pillows, but there's not two extra... Wait a minute, that's my ass! It's like, fuck off.
0: Yeah, you really are a bit of a stick in the mud with that sort of humour, aren't you?
1: Yeah, shit has to really
0: fucking add up for me. Like, you gotta, like... Come on, you've never been, like, slightly disorientated when you woke up and, like, forgot where you were? Or, like, you know, like, you slowly but surely your perception of the world and and your surroundings comes back? Like, I have Um, that every every time that I wake up in a bed that isn't mine, be it uh, at a friend's house, be it in a hotel room, anywhere. There is always a couple of minutes where I, like, need to remember that I'm not at home.
1: I am extremely attentive... And always on high alert and aware of my <laughs>
0: surroundings because I am extremely paranoid. Are you one of those people that when you walk into a house, you know all the exits just in case something happens? Yes, literally. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So, uh, what 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 are some your uh, what are your opinions on the masterpiece known as the Great Outdoors, dude? Fuck, <laughs> I can't. <laughs>
1: I can't believe this. Like, you said before, uh, some of John Hughes' scripts, um, I think you said they feel like first drafts. Like, feel-
0: yeah, like, but, but like of other films. So, what for me, I know. have you seen the vacation movies?
1: Yeah, I've seen the first one.
0: This feels like a... And you know that there's like five of them, right? And he wrote like the first three. Mm. This feels like a draft of a vacation script that he ditched. And then needed money, so he reworked it to sell it. Right. Like it feels like it's the it's the Griswolds from Vacation, but then they just changed it for just to yeah, like he sold it just to make money. And then th- th- that's just like straight up how I feel about this film. And like, nice. yeah, I was gonna Dan Aykroyd's character's like cousin Eddie, like the cousin Eddie character from the fucking other movies, and I don't know. I was gonna say it
1: feels like a spec script, but um. I like, I've only seen that,
0: um, vacation movie once. Yeah. And, I've seen um, all of them and it just, it just feels like that, but
1: not. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, John Candy, um, playing the the straight man, um, terrible John idea. Candy, yeah. He's a good enough actor to get away with it. Um, he's definitely, um, quite a talented actor and it's not that I didn't believe him in the role. Um, it's that he would have been so much better as the other guy, I think. They could have swapped. And, and, y- and like, yeah, so for two
0: reasons. Two mm. reasons, right? Um, Candy could have easily have done the other character way better, right? Yep. And it would have given Dan Aykroyd the opportunity to not play the obnoxious cunt. Because he's yep. always the obnoxious cunt. In everything he's in, he's that person. So I yeah. don't understand. like if they flipped it, the dynamic would have been so much better. And I don't
1: like Dan Aykroyd. I, I um I, I I rapped at the start that Dan Aykroyd isn't funny. Um and I haven't I don't like him in, in fucking anything. The only thing I like Ghostbusters? I only like him in Ghostbusters, but he plays the straight man in that.
0: No, he doesn't.
1: Except for the one scene where he goes cross-eyed, but honestly, if, if you're <laughs> the gonna the straight
0: loot- man, the straight man in that film is Bill Murray.
1: No, Bill Murray is the fucking is the fucking comic relief man. He just does it with a straight face. That's not that's yeah. not the kind of straight man.
0: I don't know. He's the relatable one to me in Ghostbusters. D- 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 d-
1: um, Tom, Tom Hanks, <laughs>
0: fucking
1: Dan Aykroyd plays, uh, like like kind of a doofus, but he's not he's not He's not being overly comedic in that film. He's- he's playing like a serious character. You know, he's like- he's, he's playing like a struggling businessman. But he's not like how he is in this film, where it's like... acting like it's a fucking SNL sketch. Like, he's got the silly hair and the dumb face going and... he's trying really hard to be funny. And
0: someone... really needs to tell Dan Aykroyd that he is not funny. He's not funny! This film... Well, maybe that's why he started making vodka. (laughs) Because he owns Crystal Skull Vodka. Like, and when's the last thing you saw him in? Yeah, I think the cameo
1: appearance in 2016 Ghostbusters.
0: Yeah, and even before that, like, I swear to God, he's, like, in... He plays, like, a character in Scrooge. Like, the fucking Bill Murray... Like, a Nightmare... uh, Like, a Christmas Carol movie. I'm pretty sure he plays, like, the... Like, the taxi driver in that or something. And, like, I can't think of anything that he's been in post-Coneheads. Do you know what I mean? Like... Yeah. So, you know, it caught up with him. Dan Aykroyd is too... Has too much ego to be a
1: good comedic actor. I think he's good in um, Ghostbusters because he's playing a, a version of himself
0: a struggling businessman with notions of grandeur. Sure. In i this... wouldn't call calling the straight man in that though. I don't know. I feel like that's a stretch because he is ludicrous. Fine. But it, but he's playing like a weird scientist guy. Like that's Yeah, but he's not acting goofy.
1: He's not trying to be funny. If he's if he's mm. got f- if he's got funny lines in it then they're funny lines, but he's not he's not trying to be funny. This oh yeah,
0: you already in- discounted the ghost blowjob scene, didn't you? <laughs>
1: yeah, that's I'm I've I've like retroactively like George Lucas that in my own brain. So I'm sorry, I don't know that scene. <laughs> the One bad scene in a perfect movie, otherwise. Oh fuck, yeah. Um, no, but like
0: for me, the 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 big insult in this film is the lack of even effort in there being a plot. Like, it's just relied on, like, a like a scenario. Like I said, the elevator pitch. A family goes to Wisconsin to get a nice holiday break. Their crazy brother-in-law comes and ruins it. But even then, that's not really the dynamic the whole way. Like, Dan Aykroyd's character, like, disappears for big chunks of the movie. And then there's all these just other cliche things. Like, the love story between the son and the girl yeah, is which, just... Which- is, is just random like- character blank meets random character blank hmm. and they can't be together because of blank and then it's just cliche everything
1: and, it's and it just feels like bits more and pieces than of
0: way into the film yeah and then but but then but like what's the conflict right so at what point so it's revealed like in the last 15 minutes that Dan Aykroyd, unless I fucking phased out and totally didn't realize, but it's presented the whole film that Dan Aykroyd's character is really well off, and they never really give any clue as to why they, there, well, why they're there, right? Hmm. And then, or that even he's in trouble because the the reveal is that he's like broke and that he needs to basically steal his brother in law's money to survive. But there's no real, like, okay. So yeah, they hypothetically, never, they never hint at that. now what do you know? What, like, what an easy fix to this is? Have mm. Dan Aykroyd's character early on in the movie pitch to him the the investment, and then have John Candy like go, "Oh no, I'm not into that stuff," and then near the end have his character guilt him into doing it. So it's like, it's a, it's a throwback to the film. So like you've been paying attention. This is a result. But what you get is you get a five minute scene where it goes, you were mean to me this one time when you were drunk and give me money. And then, well, sorry, he goes, give me money. And then he goes, no. And then he goes, you were rude to me this one time. And then he's like, okay, then give me money. And he goes, yes. And it all happens in one scene. Yeah. And it's insulting. Like it's just like, just just give put the effort in. Yeah, to we're like, like an, make we're, it more than ten minutes
1: near the end. Yeah, we're like an hour ten minutes into the film at this
0: point before like any semblance of a plot consequences comes into or like it, plot. Yeah. yeah, and then and then and then it even drew me up up the fucking wall even more. Right, is that he gives him the money, mm-hmm. and then he leaves. Right, and it's like and it, and it became one of those like laboriously fucked never-ending scenes because they drive away and then the writer, John Hughes in this instance, is like, fuck, I need to wrap this up soon, don't I? (laughs) Okay, well, I'll get him to just turn around and then, like, you could almost cut out that scene of them in the car where the wife makes him feel guilty and Mm. it would almost just feel like the same scene. Yeah. Because nothing changes no, no just, progress then... no progression happens and then all of a sudden bang they're back it's like it's like a joke like they they leave and then they come back and it's like just kidding we're in the same scene
1: <laughs> yeah he just comes back and then he says ah actually i'm broke
0: yeah and i don't know it's just just it's give, stupid just and then have a storm comes for along. the idea yeah and then a storm comes along oh and it becomes an action movie for like 5 minutes
1: yeah so then a storm comes along Um, and they're like, oh no, watch out everyone, a storm. And then Dan Aykroyd's like, where are my daughters? And they're like, oh no, we got to go find the daughters. So they run out to find the daughters and then we get the, um, the return of the only other, you know, this is the only other throwback throughout the whole film is,
0: um. Oh yeah. There's literally one. No, no, no. There's
1: two. It's the, the bear. So like, um oh, oh and, and I've read something interesting. I'll just get through this first. Uh, so earlier in the film, John Candy tells a story about a bear he saw when he was at the same cabin years ago and it tried to attack him and he shot it with a shotgun, but it just like scalped the bear and the bear ran off. So he's like, so there's still a bald bear out there. Um, and then another thing is like this old prospector character comes along and he's like, Hey, Dan Ackroyd, I found your daughters playing around in an old abandoned mine shaft that that's still here. And kids go out there sometimes and it's still there. So you've got to watch them." And he's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks. I will anyway. So at the end of the film, the daughters are playing in the mine shaft, they fall down and, um, the bald bear comes out and is, and is there. And then John Candy has to face off against the the bald bear once again. It's the only other throwback. But originally, what was supposed to happen in the script was that um they get they get carted around the lake by a giant fish. Wait, what? Yeah, kind of like in um that. Wait, episode what are you talking
0: of- about? Is this like some trivia you read or something? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, they they built
1: they actually built uh, a big mechanical fish for the scene. My then God! They co- then they couldn't get it to work in the water, so they just made the bear and mine thing uh, again. Like, and I don't know whether they then had to go and plant that in the story like go back and shoot those scenes with the mine and the bear to establish that? Or they were just gonna have like a random f- big fish pop up at the end. But that's um yeah, that's basically the ending and the only time that there's ever a plot. Other than that, the rest of the film is just like a series of um like sketches or events of um things going wrong for John Candy's
0: character. Like he Who is a, a terrible straight man. S- yeah, he eats a big steak uh, he which gets, i found uncomfortable yeah he gets he, he gets like strung
1: along the lake on skis and that's like and I, I feel like the script was written in bullet points because it's just like you have a scene is like um i don't know john candy gets like pulled around the lake on skis i don't know that'll be funny won't it big fat guy on skis i don't know let's just we'll figure it out on the day it's kind of the calorie of it. The, it, it the but whole but film. the
0: thing is, like, this is an extra level of laziness that I'm just baffled by. Because like you might not like John Hughes's work, but like this is cripplingly like lazy. You know? Like this isn't this isn't like an account of like overwhelmed with just visual gags and cheap humor this is like cliches full stop and then but that even goes into the dramatic side of things that it's just boring really basic shit it reminded me of
1: those um later adam sandler films where it's just like in a location where he wanted to go on holiday sure And, uh, it's just a bunch of gags that they throw out there that they're like, no, no, that'll be funny. Won't it? We'll just like, we'll, you know, have some, like, you know, we'll throw a bull in there or something and, uh, something funny will happen. I don't know who cares. We'll figure it out later. Um, because no one seems to care. Um, like it's also, it's also directionless as well. Um,
0: but like we could, like, I could make this have a direction like yeah, exactly. it's not that's what that i mean hard. it's like it's
1: it's not just like a poor script or, or a shitty story it's just like you can see that even the things that are happening could like could could be better it's just like it's just like they cut to to weird angles or they or they don't cut to um like reactions when you would expect a reaction i mean like It seems like they're trying to establish that John Candy's character is, um, greatly offended by this guy. Right. Um, and then there's, there's one point early on where, um, Dan Aykroyd just uh, he's, he's cooking a barbecue just after he insulted the other guy's love of hot dogs. And then he makes some joke about like kissing, And then he just like kisses John Candy's wife on the lips and then everyone laughs and then they go inside and you don't cut to a reaction of John Candy being like, yo, what the fuck? You just (laughs) kiss my wife on the lips in front of me. Like if that happens in a wide shot and then they all laugh and walk inside Uh, and it's just like, okay, that was obviously written
0: in the script. And in terms of direction, or like you have to like, like they they completely missed that there was like something else to that, like that, 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 that that has to feed into something else, not just a throwaway joke. Otherwise, it's just bizarre and like, and like directed by an alien.
1: It's like they just pointed um, a couple of cameras at at them, shot them, shot it both at once, had them run through the scene, and okay, cut, that's it, because it just keeps cutting from like, one angle to the other and there's there's no motivation or reason why any of this is happening he doesn't like do any like key point cutting to reactions or have the actors even like act yeah there's absolutely nothing there any of this matters they just like read their lines plainly and then go they read the direction that's in the script but then nothing else happens and you're like well, what was the the point of that? I guess that guy's supposed to be annoying to that guy, but I don't think the director knows that.
0: Yeah, but the, but the, but that's not introducing. That's no new information at all. Right. That's like really shittily reaffirming something that's already been reaffirmed every single scene Dan Aykroyd's in. Yeah, that's all, and that's that's all they have to,
1: to, to go with is just like this guy's obnoxious. Yeah, I don't know. They don't even I... play. They don't even play with like. I thought what was gonna happen is that John Candy realizes that he doesn't like nature. Um, he he likes um like he likes city or suburban comforts, uh, and what he hates about Dan Aykroyd's character is not that he's um not that he doesn't appreciate nature, is that he's he's rich. Because it's not like, it's not like John Candy hates the fact that this guy's cooking lobster tail instead of like eating something from the wild or roasting s'mores in the the fire or whatever. Because John Candy instead like, like shuns the lobster tails because he wants to eat hot dogs. So it's like, it's not a case of nature versus the city. It's a case of like, cheap suburban diet versus like, you know, elite city diet. Yeah. But that never happens. I thought they were going to do something with that because then he just keeps going. Like he loves chili dogs. And then he, and then he like shits on, um, Dan Aykroyd's big boat. Like he's got a big, um, fucking, uh, motorboat and he's like, Oh no, that's too big. That's too much boat. Come on. We're out here on the lake guys. We got this other boat. But his boat is also like a one with an electric motor and it just looks like a smaller version of dan Aykroyd's boat it's not like a boat with like oars or some shit or a little fucking dinghy he so it's like he like i kept thinking like oh okay is this gonna be like a hey you know what i don't hate you because you fucking don't respect nature i hate you because you know, you don't like me because I'm poor or some shit. But yeah, but then, but then that also would, but like
0: that, but that. but that, but that feeds into kind of the ending. So like, what you're projecting makes total sense for what they end up tr- trying to reveal, but they just don't go there at all. I Which don't know bizarre. what
1: the ending was
0: supposed to be. Well, like you know, like, the, like... The, the reveal that Dan Aykroyd is broke. Yeah. And that it's all for show. Like that 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 what you're suggesting feeds into in a way what you're suggesting and what you're saying. Mm. They just don't go there. Do you think maybe that's
1: like what he had in mind when he wrote the script? Which is not the final draft of no, the script. L- no, we no, no. Literally. That, literally.
0: So the the vacation movies are movies about a man's wholehearted goal for his family to have a good time and to enjoy the things that he did when he was young with his father. It's pretty much the plot to every vacation movie. And this literally just feels like that, but not. Just reworked in a really lazy way. That's it. And they even throw that in. It's like the the scene where it's like John Candy's with his son. He's like, wait, is the reason you brought us here is because you did it with your dad? And he's like, yes, son. (laughs) Like, that's it. There's so many scenes like that where they're not...
1: Like, you know, I had a problem with plane strains and automobiles because it's like they were just trying to cram a joke in every second. But, I mean, like... There are fucking entire scenes in this film where he's not even trying to fit a joke in. It's just exposition. Yeah. And, like, lazy, on-the-surface exposition. And that's it. That's the whole scene. Don't even try to, like, finish it off with something silly happening. It's just... Okay. I would
0: have preferred more of that in this film. What? Just pure shit! oh no silly shit shit, yeah
1: yeah if you're gonna do it in any film it's gonna have to be this one because you don't have you don't have any like grounding in reality it is a very silly premise with silly characters so get goofy with something like this but this is the more grounded one like nothing extremely goofy or weird happens
0: no it's just very Um, is there anything is there anything in the movie that you did like or anything that you want to, I laughed twice. I chuckled twice. Um,
1: once at the start, John Candy gets out of the car and, uh, there's trees in the parking lot. And so he gets out of the car and he goes, huh, trees in the parking lot. I, I, I chuckled. And then, and then right at the end when there's a, there's a blackout, And Dan Aykroyd, oh, and then um, Dan Aykroyd is trying to, like, start his lighter. And he goes, huh, this is pretty crappy for a $117 lighter. And then John Candy holds his lighter up and lights it. And he's like, huh, $0.17. And then does a big, like, ha, ha, ha. And then burns himself. And he's like, ow. Not particularly... Funny when I say it like that, but it's it's just in the way that John Candy delivers the line that it made me chuckle. The Uh, um the the, the rest of
0: the film I watched like completely dead eyed. The uh the one bit of respect I need to give to the movie is the scene in which the bald bear is like crushing John Candy, and that's because I have no idea how they did that because I, I rewound it and looked at it. That was a real bear. And I was looking at it and that was a real person under the door. Yeah, and so you're just like I'm washing him. Yeah, I'm like I'm like that the respect for somehow figuring out how to do that because like it made me rewind it just to look at it because it was just like such a striking image. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta agree so with yeah, you there. That's the uh, that's literally it. Uh
1: how'd you feel about when he uh shoots the bear in the bum and uh all the bear's hair comes off its bum? So now it's bald on the bum
0: and it, and it goes running into the woods. I deleted that from my memory because it wasn't funny. (laughs) I fucking groaned
1: so hard. That shit that annoyed me so much. I was just like, fuck you. Fuck off. Try to put that fucking bum joke in there. Oh, how about those raccoons as well? We keep
0: oh the talking raccoons yeah so what what do they do?
1: They they're trying to get the they're trying to get the bins. Each night we we cut to a little uh. Sideshow of the these raccoons who um we we get to see what they're saying through subtitles. And. Oh, it is just some of the fucking shittest
0: comedy I've ever seen. But it easily this- could have been cut out of the movie and be totally inconsequential. Like, it only, it, only, it only comes point. back once. And, like, the only real consequence that has on the plot is when, the, when John Candy's character eats a 960 gram steak or something mm. and then throws up because he sees rubbish. Like, that's the only real mm. implication that has to the actual plot. Did you see that the raccoons uh, make another appearance after the end credits? No, wait. You sat through the end credits? Yeah, I
1: sat right through the to the end of the credits, and the raccoons show up in a final scene. Why? Where they they just talk about the bear that that that's now bald on the ass as well, and they go, "Did you hear what happened to Barry? Now he's bald on both ends." Side-splitting stuff. And that's... this awful this awful uh, comedy music plays during the each raccoon scene that's like bo 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 <laughs> bo 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 and that that's... was making me laugh just because it's so fucking obnoxious. And uh, another funny music cue was um every time we cut back to the teenage son and his stupid romance the exact same like segment of awful 80s music plays and uh it all it all starts exactly the same and it's so cheap and it's so shit but it's pretty funny because it happens like 5 or 6 times throughout the film in in like a 20 minute portion because yeah that- it all just it all just gets rushed in yeah, one yeah, that part of the kids romance film. Is, we're we like we're like 50 minutes into the film before that Um, plot B kicks off and then it's resolved uh, like with another 20 minutes left as well. It's very weird.
0: I'm kind of done talking about this film. Do you mind reading some reviews? Oh, yeah. Fuck. this, This podcast is almost at the length of that film. Okay. So... Oh, by the way, I have to mention the best reviews for Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, the top five were like 10 paragraphs. That's why I skipped them. How do you honestly
1: write a review that's more than like a paragraph? I could write three paragraphs about... It's not a review at that point. It's like like an analysis.
0: Yeah, but like you got to remember so many people out there, like film analysis is like a huge thing. Mm. There should be a
1: website dedicated just to like film analysis.
0: Yeah, it's called Letterboxd. Isn't that reviews? Yeah, but it's like borderline. Consider these them days, one in the same. These days, it's one in the same. All right.
1: This is a 10 star review by Lee Eisenberg. The best Thanksgiving movie ever. With Amen. When jittery advertising executive Neil Page, that's his name. Jittery. Trying... Yeah, jittery. Is he jittery though? Yeah, he's always, you know, he's jittering around all the time. No, he's not.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think she just maybe thinks he's supposed to be because, you know, it's an odd couple. It's like, oh yeah, he's a hes a bit of a stiff. He's a jittery old man because he's got gray hair. <laughs> How old was Steve Martin in this? I don't know, probably like 26. (laughs) He's in uh, surprisingly good shape, by the way. Steve Martin. Seen where he gets out of the shower. Steve Martin's in really good shape. I don't know how he's doing now. He still looks pretty good. He's trying to go home for Thanksgiving. He gets stuck with Boris shower ring salesman, Del Griffith. Oh, by the way, fantastic job for that character. And yeah. also I really love, um, the addition of the, um, the little, uh, samples of shower rings that he has when he holds them out in like this, uh, little flip wallet thing. And he's got like six little different styled shower curtains. He's like, I'm a shower curtain. So sales- ring salesman. Um, Fine, fine little touch that, um, that you could, you know, you could easily overlook and, um, you know, not bother with, but, uh, they got someone to make that shit and it's only in there for like one, five seconds. Yeah. But really nice touch. Um, their experience over the next two days are some of the funniest moments ever to grace the silver screen. The best parts are the pillow scene, the car rental scene, and the freeway scene. Warning, you may very well laugh yourself to death. (laughs) But overall, the reason that the movie is so good is because we come to understand why these two men are like they are. I can't do planes, trains, and automobiles justice by trying to describe it. You have to see it to understand how hilarious it is. You won't have a dull moment in it.
0: Look. I'll give them credit for a brief review.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I think like all her favorite scenes were my least favorite scenes. Yeah, the car rental scene. What was that? Where he swears at the woman.
0: Yeah, when he's like, "I want a fucking car, fucking now." Yeah, the the film does that. uh, Did that a lot to me.
1: Where um, it's like the shaking bit. I've laughed when he did the shake and then he just does it again in the, the car rental scene. I laughed when he goes, you can wipe that fucking smile off your face. I laughed. And then he says fucking every second word. And I was just like, shut the fuck up. Why? Why are you forcing him to do that? Just be normal. <laughs> um. All right. Good on so this is, um, a one-star review, Maudlin and Morkish, M-A-U-D-L-I-N, Maudlin? Is that how I pronounce that? Do you know that word? I don't word? know. I don't know nope. that word. Um, by Roger Borg, 2006. So, just the usual Steve Martin performance of grimacing and throwing knock-kneed shapes, t- Knockkneed. What's knockkneed? I've never heard
0: I think that. this person is
1: verbose. Maudlin and knockkneed. Alright. Teamed with the Candy's awkward squawking man-child buffoonery. The situations are contrived... Uh... De- deus... Deus? The situations are co- contrived... Deuce positively exudes from the machina. Suck De- Deuce ex machina is cock. like the act of God. Yeah, I know that, but he just wrote, Deuce positively exudes from the machina. Oh, they're a this wanker. Is the worst guy ever. <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst guy we've ever had. And <laughs> right, I'm only one third of the way through. And the sentiment is splashed on with a bucket. The tone is uneven, the characterization is confused and inconsistent, and the premise is uninteresting and trivialized. No single occasion should be make or break for a family, even one imbued with such artificial significance as Thanks for All the Land Day. Avoid, unless you enjoy being battered around the head with clumsy lectures on the joys of loving one's fellow man. A script no doubt penned from inside a gated community behind a security fence. What Oof, t- on earth is this guy? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I wrote that review. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Fuck that. Okay. This is the one I
1: was really looking forward to. Oh, you know what? I'll save it. So the... That- i'll read the uh the one star review first stupid terribly written predictable lame movie by grant yep. cage this movie is so damn disappointing i love john candy and i think dan akroyd is okay <laughs> but this movie is so terribly written that it's a shame that the two starts agreed to do it the gags throughout are pathetically lame and i couldn't even sit through to the end of this movie as i found it to be ridiculous the joke with the bear comes of rubbish, and I never even laughed once. Avoid this rubbish. One out of ten.
0: Fair. I do agree. I do completely agree. Except for I disagree with the whole, like, why did John Candy do it? John Candy's literally in, like, 70% of John Hughes' movies, so it's just par of the course. Is he, is he good in most things or bad in most things? I just like John Candy. I think he's got a really nice presence about him. I like him everything. too. Yeah, I enjoy seeing him in a film, but I think, uh, I don't,
1: I can't think of a single film he's in that I really enjoy.
0: The Boys Brothers? Um. Actually, Dan Aykroyd's good in that as well. Is that a straight man character? Well, the the, the fucking Elwin... uh, The Blues Brothers are, like, very sardonic. Like, they're they're, they're, they're the definition of straight to a fault. Do you think that role was written for Bill Murray? Which role? One of the Blues Brothers. I don't think... No, 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 no. So, like, it's the opposite. Like, um... Bill Murray... uh, Sorry, Dan Aykroyd and... John Belushi, John Belushi or Jim Belushi? John Belushi, right? Um, we a duo and, uh, originally Bill Murray's character in Ghostbusters was meant to go to John Belushi, but he died. Oh, yeah.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know that.
0: After watching to watch the blue blues brothers again. I saw it when I was a kid and I was like, oh, it's all right. It's a timeless movie for me. Like it's it it ages perfectly. Nice. Have
1: to check I think it it's out. aged
0: better than I I think I've made this argument with you before where I think it's better than um Ghostbusters. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I prefer it to Ghostbusters. It was the one that I hoped would win the Dan Aykroyd one, but Ghostbusters won. Okay. We got
1: a ten star review for the great outdoors by oh. Smells Like Cheese. Hopefully, this isn't a joke review. As long as Dan and John make me laugh, I love this movie. The Great Outdoors is one of the most underrated... So, comedies. they hated it? <laughs> the Great Outdoors is one of the most underrated comedies that I have ever seen. No, they love it. It's actually one of my
0: hidden favorites. <laughs>
1: because what does this that even mean? Because no one liked it? Stashes the DVD away behind the... under the floorboards. Yeah,
0: I would too if I was him.
1: Because this is the type of comedy that I love. Slapstick. It's not a slapstick comedy. Trains, planes and automobiles has
0: more slapstick than this.
1: Yeah, it's surprisingly light on slapstick. I mean, I guess John Candy falls over once. <laughs> There's the scene with the... On the jet ski. That's it. Yeah, that's it, really. Um, Dan and John make such a great comedic duo in the great outdoors... You can't help but laugh hysterically at every scene or be touched by a sentimental moment. What? What the fuck? What movie are you watching? You can't help yourself but laugh hysterically at every scene. I think it means
0: he can't help but laugh hysterically. Not you. I hate those broad terms. Imagine just like... like, Infer that everyone has, has the same experience.
1: Imagine just like...
0: Oh, Dan Aykroyd walks in and he's like, Hey, how come no one likes
1: me? And then his wife is like, Did you say something? And then he's like, Quiet, I'm on the phone. And you're just like, My fucking god, that is so funny. I just shit myself. (laughs) Every single scene is like that. Where am I? I miss stories like this. Oh, I hate this guy more than the Fucking pretentious asshole i miss stories like this there's no story that are not only heartwarming but have a great mix of comedy as well
0: uh, what is heartwarming the the love plot side b plot that comes in 20 minutes to the end maybe if you're an idiot
1: Chet is a family man who wants to bond with his songs and uh, on a camping trip So he his wife and their boys go out to the great outdoors But an uninvited guest tags along their rich and snobby cousins Roman and Kate and their two twin shinning creepy twin girls Since Roman likes to live it up. He practically jumps all over Chet's plans and just takes over the vacation Ten 10 stars. Perfect movie.
0: This is right up there with Citizen Kane, am I right? I'm so
1: baffled. I'm so baffled. The movie does, like... like Seriously, like, it's close to nothing happening in a film as you can get. Like... It shouldn't exist. Like, nothing happens. They'll just... They'll just, like, go to a place or they'll be doing something and it's just, like... Hey, um, we're gonna go to the restaurant? Yeah, let's, let's go. Okay, I'll race you there. Okay. Oh, I'm gonna order this. Oh, you're gonna eat the big steak? Yeah, I'll eat the big steak. Oh, you're gonna be able to eat it all? Yeah, I just did. Okay, well now we're home, and the raccoons have tipped the bin over. Oh, I'm gonna be sick. That's the, it's like 10, 10 to 15 minutes
0: of, of the time. film. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, okay. is that the whole review? Yeah, that's it. Fuck. It's done. So, um, what are your final thoughts and fart ratings for the two films? Uh, Granite Doors gets one fart. That's just
1: like seriously one of the fucking worst movies I've ever seen. Definitely one of the worst comedies. Um, and I'm giving Plain Strains and Automobiles four.
0: I don't like comedies, so I didn't like this, but it's one of the better ones. Cool. Um, I give Great Outdoors two farts simply because I think I gave uh, Nothing But Trouble one fart, and this is definitely not that bad. Like, this doesn't make me feel sick. So, Great Outdoors, yeah, two farts, and then Planes, Trains, and Automobiles... Uh, I quite like it. I have quite a soft spot for the style of humour a lot of the time and I like the pathos, so yeah, seven farts. Cool. What are we watching next week, Dane?
1: Well, I thought, um, you know, due to recent headlines, we could, um, we could delve into the, um, the hilarious world and directorial efforts of a one Mr. Joss Whedon.
0: Right. okay. like feature films, yeah, that he's directed or written., um, but he directed. Okay, that that's a good pick because you do realize that the 18th of April is coming up. Oh, okay, can can I disqualify Justice League? Oh, yeah, 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 that doesn't count because uh, on the 18th of uh March, the episode that coincides with coincides with that we're going to be watching the best and worst of the justice league movie
1: oh yes
0: (laughs) (laughs) so i i need to disqualify justice league for that just because yeah
1: Yeah, don't disqualify it anyway like half films don't count
0: yeah just like we
1: never usually count um films that someone has like directed
0: just a segment of Sure, or like how Awesome Wells's posthumous film didn't count. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, so next week we'll be talking about the best and worst of the directorial efforts of Joss sweden Talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye
2: bye. <laughs> bye.